Okay, well, we're going to have our Bible reading now from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 to 13, just a short reading this morning. And then Namdi, one of our elders, is going to come and preach for us. But Julia is going to come and read. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Heavenly Father, as we've been hearing in Thessalonians, um, the Thessalonians received your word um, as words coming from you. Please help us today to hear you speak to us. Please prepare our hearts to receive from you. And please speak to us, Lord. And I pray that you'd help me, um, Lord, today to uh, be clear. Um, and please use my words and let it be as your words and not my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so I don't know how many of you remember Euros last year, um, and UK and uh, England did quite well. Where did we get to? Was it the quarterfinals or the semifinals? Semi, was it semifinals? No, semifinals, yes. Final. Oh, yeah, final. Wow, there you go. <laughs> so you're all better at this than me. Uh, so, yeah, so we got to the final, but it was very, um, very unusual to hear about people praying for euros at the time. I remember going to work one day, uh, I think, it was, yeah, just about the day before the, um, a few days before the, before the final, uh, and a few friends of mine um, who knew nothing about football, um, one guy, one girl, um, didn't know which teams were playing. All they knew about was that England was playing and England was bringing the cup home. But also, they were praying about it. So they came in and said, oh, they were praying that England wins. All right, okay, that's good. Now, these are guys who had never professed faith before, uh, and they were praying that England wins. Now, many people pray, um, but not necessarily being Christians. I remember when I was 10 years old, I was quite a naughty little boy then, and uh, in those days, you got handed your results, in school, and then you took your results home. So I did really poorly. I think I, I, out of a class of about 30, I came in about 25, thereabouts. So you know what I did? So I took my results home, changed the 25, struck off, somehow struck off the two, and just kept the five, so it looked like I came faith in class. And you know what I did before that? I earnestly prayed that I wouldn't get caught. <laughs> that was my prayer. Ten-year-old, but as I'm sure you probably know what happened, I got caught. <laughs> um, so our sermon series today is on, is on prayer. Um, and if there's one thing we take out today, it's this. Uh, that prayer is crucial for our Christian maturity. Prayer is crucial for our Christian maturity. Now, as a church, we are going through a series um, on 
uh, Thessalonians, and our series is The Living Church, Serving a Living God. The Living Church, Serving a Living God. And our a theme for today is that a living church, serving a living God, is built on prayer. A living church, serving a living God, is built on prayer. Now, prayer is not just something we do when we're in trouble. But if, if, if we are in trouble, we need to pray, definitely. Um, but key to our walk with God, for those of us who are Christians, key to our maturity is a prayer. And I think Paul shows this. So if you've been following the sermon series, uh, you would have seen that Paul had planted a church, uh, but quickly had to leave this church. Um, and as a result, he's concerned for their spiritual well-being. He's concerned about potential tribulations that they might have. Um, he's concerned that there might be difficulties that the church would face. Um, and he was really, really eager to see how they were doing. He was thankful to God that they had, there's lots of great things going on for the church. They had turned from idols to, uh, to serve the living God. And they had accepted God's word um, the way that accepted God's word, what it really is, um, as God's word. Now, you didn't have missed how thankful and joyful Paul was for the church. There was strong delight for this church and a strong desire to see them again. Now, up until this point, Paul was really eager to see it. And if, you, if you've been following the series, you would see how Paul really, really desires to see the church face to face. But why was he keen to see the church? Why was he so keen to see the church? Why did he desire so strongly to see the church? Now we see from verse 9, if you read with me with verse 9, um, and we looked at it last week. So First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, and this is what it says. It says that, sorry, verse 10. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So night and day Paul was praying um, to see these guys, to see the church again. And what was the key thing he wants to see the church for was to supply what was lacking in their faith. To supply what was lacking in their faith. Now the word there, supply, the Greek original word there is to restore or to complete or to make perfect. So really, what, what Paul is desiring for the church all this while, and the reason he's writing this letter, is that he wants to see the church mature. He wants to see a perfect church. Now, Paul's afraid for the church, and he was very clear about his his uh, he, he he was very clear about his his fears for the church about maybe very enough for, for the faith, but his key thing was to see, um, was to see them mature. Now, what does he do? What does he do? And whilst he can't see them, whilst he can't go face to face, what he does is that he sends Timothy. Timothy comes back with some really, really great news. Um, and then he launches off in this letter, this prayer, this very three, very three short verses uh, for, us, for us to pray for. But everything about that prayer, again, is for the church to be matured. Now, Christian, I don't know what we 
desire in our walk with God, or um, for those of us who are believers, I don't know what our key aim is in our walk with God. Or as a church, what should we be aiming for as a church? Now, Paul draws us attention to that thing, to, to it, is that he wants us to be, um, to be, a mature, to be mature, and, the, and the, the prayers, Paul's prayers, is essentially about those things. Now, John Stott, in his book, Radical Disciples, draws attention to this theme about maturity. If you read Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 to 29, if you've got your Bibles, open it with me. And this is what, again, Paul is saying. He's saying that um, him we proclaim Jesus Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone fully mature in Christ to this end, he strenuously contends with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in him. So it's at the backdrop of this maturity and wanting to see the church matured and wanting to see the, perf- the church perfect that Paul launches into this prayer. Now if you read the prayer with me again, because it's only short, it's only three verses, and we probably can just read it and that will be the end of the sermon and we'll all be happy and can go home. So let's read it again together and then we'll work our way through verse by verse. So 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 to 13. Now may God, our Father, now may our God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. Okay, so it's a really short prayer. It's a really short prayer, but then I remember starting to prepare the sermon, and there's just so much in there about prayer, and uh, we're not going to talk about everything about prayer in there, and all of a sudden, um, we won't have a 10 steps and 10 guides to perfect prayer, um, no, but I'm sure there will be things that we can pick up from these three verses that would help our prayer life. Now, there are just three things, and we'll go through the verses. So the first thing that Paul prays for is for God to clear the way. Verse 11, God to clear the way. So three main things. One of them, God to clear the way, verse 11, overflowing love, verse 12, and holiness, verse 3. Now, when we think of the word, think of church as being matured, or being perfect. Won't think of Grace Church as being perfect. Those are the things that Paul are getting at. Now, later on, after these verses, Paul talks about every single one of them. He talks about overflowing love. He goes into detail about it from verse four, from chapter four and chapter five. He talks about holiness in chapter four and in chapter five. But before he does that, he teaches us something which is really crucial, and which is that prayer comes first. Prayer comes first. So to start with, God asks for God to uh, to clear the way. So what's happening here? Um, 
So again, I'll read that for us, um, verse 11. So he says, Now may God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. So the first thing we learn about prayer here is that prayer looks to God and prayer looks to Jesus. Prayer looks to God and prayer looks to Jesus. Now it seems, it seems very... Um, it seems very simple, isn't it? It seems very, very straightforward. Of course, prayer looks to God and prayer looks to Jesus. That's the main thing about prayer. But if you remember, Jesus, Paul was, talking, Paul was hindered from going to the Thessalonians. We'd seen in a previous chapter how he was really eager to see them, but Satan hindered him. Now, we don't know how that happened. We don't know how Satan hindered him. But one thing that Paul knew was that whatever it was, God and Jesus had the power to overcome any, 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 anything that was, that was, that was stopping, stopping, um, stopping him. In other words, Satan doesn't have the authority. All authority belongs to God and belongs to Jesus. Now, why this is important to the, to the Thessalonians and to Paul and to all of us as well. It's particularly for, let's start with the Thessalonians. With the Thessalonians, they had, there were people who served other gods, okay? So they were used to being under the authority of other gods. They were being used to being under the influence of other gods. Now, if you have know anything about um, the past or about some of some, um, some idols, they have a strong hold on people's lives. To the extent that some people were scared of the gods, they were so afraid that they wouldn't do certain things because of the gods or because of the idols. The same might apply to us. We don't have physical idols these days, but there are lots of things that we come under the authority of, under. There are lots of things that people are struggling with that they can't get hold of, they can't get out of. There's lots of things for some people. It could be the idol of work, or it could just be the idol of, in our modern day, sex. It has a strong hold and a strong power on people. For some people, it could just be the idol of self. Coming first, coming, having, being first or being whatever, number one is the most important thing, me. They come, there's so many things that we can come under the authority of, under, that, that has power and influence over us. But right from the beginning, Paul makes it clear that all power, all power is God's and belongs to Jesus. And then he says, and, and from this verse, so, and so yes, he wants God to clear the way, but also that's what's underneath all of all those things. But also in that verse, we see that in all circumstances, Paul recognizes that God is great in all of all those things. In everything, God and Jesus is great. And there's another thing that's playing out in this verse, and this is this, that Paul is encouraging the church to depend on God and put God first in all things. 
Now, it would have been very, very easy for Paul to come in and say, right, you're not perfect, I want you to be holy, and then run down lots of things for them to be holy. Or, you're not perfect, I want you to love each other, and this is how I want you to do it, and just run down a list of things to do. He does that later, but first things first. And the first thing to do was to pray and seek God's face first. And that's the stage Paul is seeking. And you can see how easy it is for us to always want to put ourselves first or even start things and put Jesus Christ second or put God second. It's very easy. Unless, of course, we want to win the finals and then we can pray for, uh, for God to, um, to come in. Now, that request for God and Jesus, for some people in the audience, um, it, would, it would have been new. Because for most people in the church at the time, it would have just been um, praying to God. But then notice how he snakes in Jesus in there. He says, for our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Showing that both of them are equal. And for lots of the, um, for, for, for the audience in, in Thessalonians, that would have been new to them. Because they wouldn't have put Jesus there. But crucially, um, it's also showing that Jesus Christ um, is and God have authority over all. Now, there's another thing that's happening in this verse. Now, in verse 10, we see um, perseverance in prayer. Now, Paul was praying this prayer over and over again. In verse, in, in, as we see in verse 10, he was praying this prayer night and day. This is what he was praying about, for God to be able to um, clear the way for, for people to happen. So one thing we can learn from prayer there is that is to persevere in prayer. Persevere in prayer. So God clearing the way. So we see there that he's focused on God and Jesus. The prayer is teaching us to start with God in all things. The prayer focuses on God's will with me to verse 12. Now we say that, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Just as ours does for you. Now Paul had already mentioned that the church in Thessalonica had love. In chapter 1, verse 3, he thanks God for their labor of love. So the church already had love for each other. Now, anywhere God's gospel is, anywhere God's gospel is preached, and anywhere we, um, we have a Christian community, there is love there. So, for example, in Grace Church, is there love here? Yes, there is. Took you a while to answer that. <laughs> How do we know there's love here? How do we know what, what can we show in, in, in our church now to show that we love each other? Well, I can, think, I can think of a few, and I'm sure hopefully in our life group we can think of more. So we're a welcoming church. Okay? We welcome people, which is great. If you're a new, if you're a new person coming here for the first time, I hope you feel the love. <laughs> If not, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but generally, we are a welcoming church. People serve. People give their time to, um, to serve people. 
you can come to church and not be a Christian and still feel welcome here. Um, people would serve you. People make their time to serve. People make time to serve. It's one thing that we're very good at in Grace Church is serving. And I'd like to encourage us to keep doing that, to keep serving. We just had COVID, um, which is quite an interesting time for our church. And some people had to wear masks. Some people still wear masks. But loving, and, and I know, I definitely know that some people didn't want to wear masks. But they had to, but they, put, they decided to wear some masks. You know why? Because they felt it was a loving thing to do. And it's right. It's, it, it's what to do to make someone else feel comfortable in coming to church. If that would make me just put on a mask, I'll do that. And people did that. But what God, what Paul was praying for here was for an increase in love and overflowing love for the Thessalonican church. Now, we're quite in a very good position. When my wife and I came to Manchester, we looked through a few churches to come to in Manchester. Um, there was Platt, there was, you know, all the other churches. You made a list of all the things you want. Once a small church, Grace Church isn't small anymore, so that box has uh, gone off. Um, we want, yeah, we want a small church, we want a local church, we want somewhere we can, we can walk to, we want to be able to make friends. You know, so we had a checklist of things to, to do, to, um, to, to tick off. The Thessalonians, they didn't have a checklist, there was just one church. One church with lots of diverse people, different class, different age, different culture, people who had served different idols in the past, all coming in into this one church. So you can see how important love would have been. And Paul prays that this church, Paul says, now remember we talked about our main aim is that our prayers is important for our maturity. And love is one thing that Paul says that this church is, uh, even if they have, they could be better at, they could do more of. Now, if you're in any relationship, you know the joy and the, difficult, the difficulties of love. In, in family life, there's problems with love. You know, family is probably the people that you love the most. For some families, I know that might not be the same for every family. But even in a relationship that you love someone so very much, there's problems. You know, just think of, think of a relationship that you have. It could be your brother or your sister or your parents or a friend. Think of, just think of a relationship and you will know how difficult sometimes it is to love them. I've got a four-year-old boy, son, um, and he's lovely, very lovely, when he chooses to be, <laughs> which is about 1% of the time. And 99% of the time, we have to deal with a very stubborn, headstrong, four-year-old, knows the way, knows better son. But I love him. I love him. And I would always love him. And the thing about love is that love, love puts other people first. So now this is a, it's, it's quite a big, just quite a big request that Paul is asking the church for. Now prayer, love puts other people first. Okay. So in, in this church, for example, if we're about 150 people, what love is saying, or what love wants us to do is to put everybody else before, before, before you. 
In other words, other people come first before me. So love is hard. Love is difficult. But love is not something that we can um, just will by merely increasing our emotional output. It takes Jesus for love to truly happen. It takes Jesus for love to truly happen. And that's what Paul is praying about. Paul is praying. Now remember, see the source of the prayer there, verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase, and not just increase, overflow for each other, and not just each other, for everyone else. Massive love. But only a massive God can give a massive love. Do we need love more in Grace Church? We have love, but I think we need more. I think we need more for relationships to open, for us to be more open with our relationship, for us to be more freeing with our relationships. We need love, and we need love to the abundance. And how do we get love? Praying for it. Praying for it. So let's pray for love. Let's keep um, praying for love because it's God, it's God that gives us love. And we pray for more increasing in love. So pray for love. If there's one thing that we can pray for as a church, if there's one thing that we should be praying for, is that we should be praying for love. Now, why is it important to love? Why is love so important? Now, love is so important because God himself is love. The whole point about the gospel is love. Now, sometimes it's interesting when Christians are in very difficult, in very diff- when, when Christians are in conflict, it's so easy to see how love is thrown out of the window. Sometimes we're so quick to stand our own ground, we're so even quick to stick to the rules that we forget about love. Now, Jesus Christ, um, there's a story of how some, someone was ill and needed healing, and it was a Sunday, and um, they came to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal this, this man. And um, the Pharisees and the really religious people didn't want Jesus to heal the man because he was, it, was, um, it was on the Sabbath. It's Sunday, you can't heal this man. But Jesus then thought that the loving thing to do was to heal the man on the Sunday. So sometimes we, we, we let our stickling for the rules. And we're in a culture where the rules are important. Yes, and I'm not saying, let's break the rules now. Um, we're in a culture where individu- we're very individualistic. And love is always thrown out of the way, even in Christian circles. We, people do not look to the church any longer for love. People don't look to the church as an example of love. Because when they look in, all they see is individualistic people. Now, Jesus said, 
love each other so that the world would see and they would come. The thing that should be drawing the world to us is our love for each other. And what is love? First Corinthians 13, love is kind, love is patient, and all of those things about love. But crucially, and very crucially, is that love comes from Jesus, and love is from God. And so let's pray for love. Let's pray for love. We pray for 10 baptisms in Grace Church, but we pray that we love that 10 more people are better at loving and that we're a loving church. Love is what grows a church. And when Jesus comes back, one of the things he will ask us is, how did you love? How did you love? Because at the end of the day, the greatest commandment in the world is just two things, really. Love God and love others. So when Jesus comes, which he will do, and probably ask us how we spent our lives, so the two things he would probably ask is, how did you love God and how did you love others? Sometimes it's easier to love God than to love others. Loving is hard, but guess what? Jesus shows us how to love. Jesus asks us not to do it in our strength, but he asks us to come to him to show us what he is to love, but also as the source of our love. So, Jesus is the source of our love, and let's keep praying for love. Jesus is the source of our love, and let's keep praying for our love. Now, lastly, the last thing that... Um, Paul prays for the church of Thessalonians is um, holiness. Holiness. Now, if you read with me um, verse um, 12, sorry, verse 13. Now, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now, holiness is a very interesting um, topic. Um, and it's one thing that the um, Thessalonican church were struggling with. Um, and it's one thing that they needed to grow and to, be, and to be perfect in. Now, holiness is one of those words that you don't hear a lot of these days. In fact, sometimes it's become a bit of a joke, you know. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're holy, it's sort of, don't be holier than thou sort of kind of person. Everyone sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's a word that we, the world have sort of taken it and made it into something that, that, isn't, that, that, that it isn't. But for the Thessalonians and for Paul, it was really important that this um, was something that the church grew in and that the church matured in. Now, one very interesting thing I found about this um, thing about, about love is that when you think of holiness, what is the thing that comes to mind? What comes to your mind when you think of holiness? Now, there, if you read different translations of, the, um, of this passage that we've read, um, in some translations like the ESV, for example, um, it doesn't, the verse 13 doesn't start with 
Um, may God strengthen your heart. Um, the, verse 13 is actually a continuation of verse 12. Um, so we, in other verses, for example, it says, um, it begins with, so that um, your heart might be strengthened. In other words, the more you love people, when you love, how, when, the more you love people, the more you grow in God's, in God's holiness. So there's a very interesting link there between, uh, between, love, uh, between love and holiness. Uh, but later on in the, in, in the chapter, in chapter 4, Paul goes in and talks a lot about what the Thessalonian church should be holy in and why, um, why holiness, why holiness was, was important. But how does this inform our prayer? How does holiness inform our prayer? What can we get out of praying for holiness? Now, why is holiness important in the first place? Why is holiness important? And there's two reasons, and, and, and this, this is where it informs, it informs our, our, our prayers. One of them is that holiness is God's will for us. Okay? Holiness is God's will for us. Now, if you, if you read the Lord's Prayer, which I'm sure most people, which, uh, most people know, um, it says, your will be done. What is that will? One of them, as we'll see later on um, in Thessalonians when we talk about holiness, is that for us to be holy, First Thessalonians 4, um, 5, it says that it is God's will that you be sanctified and that you be holy. There's also another reason why God wants us to be holy. And it's this, in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, and this is Jesus saying that he might sanctify us, having washed us with his word, to present him, to present us um, without spot or wrinkle as a church that is holy. Holiness is one, God's will for us, but also eventually our end. That's God's end result for us. When Jesus comes again, that he sees a church that is holy. So holiness, holiness is, is, is important. And to, and to the Thessalonians, Paul was really looking at this church being perfect and being complete with their holiness. But look at what happens there again. It is something that we pray about. So holiness is prayed for. Again, when we say holiness, what people might usually do is to look at themselves and think of, oh, actually, I'm probably not that holy. Or uh, the first, first reaction is to look at ourselves. But God, Paul doesn't say that here. Paul doesn't do that here. The first reaction is to come to God in prayer to help in making us holy. And another thing that's happening here is that Paul is also praying scriptures. Paul is praying scriptures because when the um, Thessalonians 
had heard God's word, you know, they would have heard Paul would have and Paul spent some time there. He spent through, uh, he spent time talking to them about uh, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, um, and he talked about holiness there because it's it's a key and central theme of um, of the Bible of the Scriptures. And there, Paul is teaching them one lesson about praying Scriptures, praying the Bible, praying what you hear on the sermon, praying your lessons from a Bible study. So what do you want to pray for? If you're struggling to pray, pray scripture. Pray the Bible. Because everything about God's will, it's in the Bible. And the best way to do that is to pray it. So the three things that God is teaching them um, is praying God's will, and um, prayer is based on holiness, and then keep on praying for holiness. Keep on praying for holiness. Now, as a church and as individuals, are there things that we think that we should be growing in, in our holiness? Yes, they are. And what, what should we do about them? We start by praying about it. By praying about it. So, what does all these things mean for us then? What is the take-home value of all of these things? Well, it's this, that prayer is very important in our walk with God. And how should this inform our prayer life? By those things over there, I think that's what these three verses are teaching us. It's teaching us to look to God and to Jesus. That's what prayer does. Prayer looks to God and prayer looks to Jesus. Prayer is focused on God's will. So when we pray, we're not praying for, um, yes, we can pray for lots of things, but it's essential that we pray for God's will. And how do we know God's will? By Scripture or by the Bible. Also, prayer is accompanied with it by faith. Now, Paul was praying, spent night and day praying. He kept praying. Now, it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to keep praying when you really, really want something and it seems that it isn't happening. And he keeps going. Night and day, he says. Now, when the Bible says Paul was praying night and day, it doesn't mean that he spends the whole day and the whole night praying. Um, although, if you are very good, yes, you can do that. Feel free to pray all night and all day. Um, but we know that Paul was working during the day and he was working um, sometimes even at night. And I think the, the key thing there is that we can pray anywhere. This prayer is a very short prayer, three verses. It takes us less than one minute to pray. But it doesn't matter how long a prayer is, the key thing is that it is heart, heartfelt, it is focused on God, it's focused on God's will, we can pray by praying scriptures, and it's accompanied by faith. We also see there that prayer perseveres. Prayer perseveres. It keeps going. 
Now, I don't know what we are praying for, if there's anything major that you're praying for and you're tired of it, just because it's probably not happening. Paul was praying night and day until he, um, until this prayer, this prayer was, was answered. And as we heard today, as Joy was speaking, that sometimes God doesn't always answer our prayer. But then through our prayers, we grow in love for him and in love for each other, even if he doesn't answer them. Through our prayers, we grow in holiness. And for us to be all the things that we want to be, we pray them. Especially for our walk with God. Because prayer is key for our maturity. So what does this mean for us as a church? It means that when we pray, so for example, the last few years we've been praying for 10 baptisms, which is great. I think let's pray for more baptisms. But what happens after that? What happens after we get 10 people baptized? Is that the end of it? We keep going. Let's pray for 10 more people to be matured in Grace Church. Imagine praying that every time, 10 more people, 10 more people, 10 more people, until we're all fully matured. Then what happens? We get more people in, and then we keep praying for them. But also, let's also pray for an increase in love. I think that's one of the most hardest things. We pray for an increase in love. So we pray for 10 baptisms, 10 people to be, to be matured, 10 people to be increased in love. So we pray for, ten, for, ten of, for, for all of those things, pray for maturity, pray for holiness, and pray for an increase in love. But up, above all of all those things, what this is also teaching us is that, yes, we pray for all of all these things, but there's one person who has all of all these things in abundance, and that is Jesus. He's well up there. When we talk about love, he is an example of love for all of us. He's also an example of holiness. So when we are praying all these things, what we're actually praying is to become Christ-like. To become Christ-like. And that should be key and center to all, to all our prayers. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you uh, very much uh, for today and for uh, encouraging us uh, to pray. And Lord, we know that uh, sometimes praying is hard, but thank you that you've not just left us, you've given us your Holy Spirit to help us pray. And Lord, we know that praying can be difficult and we um, don't know what to pray for sometimes. But Lord, help us to persevere in praying for love in praying that would be mature as a church, that would be complete and perfect as a church, that would be complete in holiness. Help us, Lord, to depend on you. Help us, Lord, to always bring things to you first. Help us to enjoy and be enjoy your, your love and, and our hearts be filled with the joy that you give. But above all, help us 
to be looking more like Christ each day. And thank you that we can do that through our prayers. Please help us to be a praying church. Please help us to make the most of our days to pray. And please be answering and be hearing us. And thank you that you do. And we pray that we'll be seeing more of your hand and your answer to our prayers. We ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.